0: I'm excited about what God has been doing um, through this series, this brand new series, part three. So we're kinda new into this. But I've noticed a problem, and maybe you have noticed this problem too. Most churches and most church people focus on changing only what's on the outside. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, only on the outside is what we look at. And it's true. I mean, it's really true. The, the, The focus is always on looking or acting or talking like a Christian. The problem is, if your inside doesn't change, you haven't. And we all know this to be true. If, if who you are inside isn't changing, you aren't following Jesus. What does your life look like on the inside? What's happening inside of you? No no matter how good you look or no matter how good you act or sound on the outside, I want you to get this down. If your heart isn't changing, you aren't following Jesus. Hopefully you're going to follow along on that outline that's right in the brochure and follow along. Everybody knows that people that go to heaven are the ones that fill in the blanks on the outline. So make sure that you're filling those in. And I'm teasing, but just it helps you to remember things. If not, you go to your car afterwards and you go, "What did he talk about today?" Okay, this kind of helps to helps to do that. <clears throat> Jesus talked about this. Take a look, Luke chapter eleven. <clears throat> One of the Pharisees invited Jesus home for a meal. Seems like Jesus was always eating with people. So he went in. He took his place at the table. His host was amazed to see that Jesus sat down to eat without first, performing the hand washing ceremony required by Jewish custom you know today people wash their hands with soap and water for a couple of reasons right I mean it's personal hygiene they don't want to get sick they want to get rid of the germs they don't want to get anybody else sick and before they're going to put something in their mouth and touch their face or their mouth they want to make sure they have clean what hands sure But the Pharisees' Pharisees shock here, this Jewish religious leader, his his shock is not coming from his hygiene concern. Pharisees didn't wash their hands in order to get rid of germs. The Pharisees only did this ceremonial washing as a ritual. And it was really honestly a really sad ritual because they believed that they could get dirty off of sinners people who weren't following God. And so if they touched anything, if you were not following God, if they touched anything you touched, if they sat anywhere you sat, if, if they had anything to do with you whatsoever, they believed that they got dirty from you. Wow. And so they, they thought that they would need, in order to stay holy, to stay righteous, to stay good in God's eyes, they had to do this ceremony of washing their hands in order to stay clean and not be dirty with the sin of people like you, like me. Now, Jesus wasn't against personal hygiene. And I want you to understand, because this isn't the the only time that this kind of stuff came up in the the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It, it, It comes up quite often. Jesus was not against personal hygiene. How many of you are in agreement with Jesus. We are not against personal hygiene. We want you to stay clean and to use deodorant and brush your teeth, right? I mean, come on, turn to the person next to you, just smile at him and go, uh-huh. You know, that's right. We want you to smell good so that we can sit next to you, and we're all for that. He was against, Jesus was against rituals that gave a false sense of being clean spiritually when you weren't. Jesus doesn't believe in, in man-made ceremony meant to make people feel like they are spiritual or acceptable to God, when in fact, it didn't make any difference. I, I, I know for a fact Jesus didn't wash his hands because he was trying to make a point, and we see it right here. Take a look. You are so careful to clean the outside of the cup but inside you are what? Filthy. First, wash the inside of the cup, and then the outside will become clean too. Now, I don't know if you wash dishes around your house or not, but occasionally I do, and I've determined that one of the things I do not do is only wash the outside of a cup. I don't know about you, but I make sure that I get inside that sucker. If I'm going to wash it And, and, you know, I I still do not understand the idea of dishwashers because you still have to rinse off. You wash your dishes before you put them in your dishwasher anyway. That's at least at our home. And so my wife pushes at it. So, you know, we're rinsing everything out. And we're, we're washing the inside of that cup for a reason because I don't want your cooties. I don't want your germs coming into my mouth. I want it to be a clean cup when I try to, you know, grab it out of the cabinet. No one washes the outside of the cup and thinks that the inside is clean right? But this is exactly what religious leaders were doing. They they were not looking at the inside. Jesus was saying that they were only concerned about the outside. You guys are looking only at the outside of this cup, but a cup we know would not be clean if you only wash the outside. Jesus cares about what is inside your heart and my heart. I mean, Jesus realizes that the problem is on the inside. Come on, tell somebody near you the problem is on your inside. All right? You may look good on the outside, but it's inside of you. We all got some junk inside. And Jesus realizes this. In fact, take a look at what Jesus tells us in Mark 7. Let's read this together. This is awesome. From within, out of a person's heart. Let's look back up and read that again. From where? Within. Within. Out of a person's heart come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these things come from, uh, let's try that again. All these things come from within. They are what defile you. And all of us know that we have some of that inside of us. See, my problem, and I believe your problem as well, is internal. It's inside. In fact, get this down. What happens on the outside of me is a symptom of what's going on inside of me. What happens on the outside shows what's on my inside. And that's why God isn't focused on my outside. Did you hear that? God isn't focused on my outside. Now listen, I'm not saying that he's not looking or concerned about our outside. He's not focused on the outside. Yeah, sure, God wants my outside to change, my actions, my words. God wants, you know, what I do to match up with what I say I believe. If I'm a follower of Jesus, my lifestyle, my actions, my words should show it. If they don't, I am what everybody calls a hypocrite. You know what that is? That's a fake It's a liar. God isn't focused, though, on my outside. Where does God want to work in my life? This is what you got to get down today. This is the main point, right here. If you don't get anything else, you got to get this and you can go to sleep or whatever you want to do, play on your phone, whatever you want to do. God wants to work on my inside. God wants to work on my inside. That person that's sitting right next to you, just tell them that, would you? God wants to work on my inside. He does today. He really does. You know why? Because God knows that if there's ever going to be change in our life, it's got to penetrate our inside. He knows the only way we're going to change is by it happening on the inside. The Apostle Paul says this, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. That that phrase catches me up front there. God is working in you. God is working in me. And I don't know about you, but I'm so glad for that because I'm fully aware that I have some things in my life that need to change. There's some things inside of me that need to change. I need to change on the inside. And how I know that is sometimes those things creep out. Anybody else like me in that? Sometimes those things creep out and and they show a flash of something And I don't know if you've ever had this experience where you say something or you do something. Really, a lot of the times for me, it's I say something, and I say it, and I almost have this out-of-body experience where the Holy Spirit just kind of pulls me back and goes, Whoa, what was that? I'm like, I don't know. But it's scary. Do you ever do that? Or maybe you're driving along, and somebody cuts you off, and you just lose it, and you scare yourself. Go, wow, why am I being so stressed all of a sudden? Why, why is this coming out of me? God knows there's some things inside of me that need to change, and I think there's some things inside of you that need to change. I so relate to what the Apostle Paul writes about this struggle that he has. Now, keep in mind, Paul is a Jewish religious leader, former Jewish religious leader that came to faith in Jesus Christ. He had all of the degrees. Most researchers believe that he had the equivalent of two PhDs in religious studies. The dude was there. He could have easily been one of the Pharisees if he was not already. We're not really sure about that, but he... He was there, and and so he was one of these guys that was so hung up on cleaning your hands and keeping that ceremony and all of the traditions and customs and all of this religious ritual stuff. And look at what Paul admits to us in Romans 7. And I don't know about you, but when I read this, I feel like I'm reading my own journal. Look what he says, verse 15. I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what, is, what I hate. I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin. Oh, wait, look at this phrase. It is sin living in me that does it. Don't miss that. It's inside of me. He says, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin, there it is again, living in me that does it. There is another power within me that is at work with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still, what are those two words? Within me. Do you see what he's trying to say? He's saying, I got a problem inside of me. And it is affecting the way that I live. It's affecting the way that I talk. It's affecting the way that I relate to other people. It's affecting my life. Something is not right inside of me. I want to do the things that are good, the things that are right, the things that are following God. But I'm not doing that. I'm finding that I'm giving my control over to this thing that's inside of me. The sin. And I'm so glad that Paul doesn't just leave it there because, I mean, we would go away depressed and discouraged and ready to end it all if we were there. Paul says there's a concept that we need to get This is what he's sharing. He doesn't leave it there. Look what he says. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, and that's what he's saying. We've got this sinful nature inside of us. Those who are dominated by sinful nature think only about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. I'm getting to it right here. Here it is. Paul says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. Remember, he's speaking to followers of Jesus. Look what he says. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. Wow, that phrase. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, Everything changes if you have the Spirit of God living in you. You can have life and peace if you have the Spirit of God living in you. You don't have to be dominated by sin if you have the Spirit of God living in you. Paul says there's freedom if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And so it all makes sense. It's exactly what Jesus said he would give us. Look, John 14, he's talking to his followers, and Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now, and later he will be In you. In you. So why is this so important? Why do I need the Holy Spirit in me? Because nothing changes in me unless the Holy Spirit is working inside of me. You want to get that down? Nothing changes in me unless the Holy Spirit is working inside of me. Nothing. Say that word with me. Nothing. Nothing changes. And, and we know this to be true because there are some things that we wish would change. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or admit anything or confess anything right here, but I wonder how many of us in this room, we have things that we have been dealing with for years. Habits and lifestyles and thought patterns. Addictions. Things that we've been dealing with for years. And they've never changed. And I don't care how much willpower you have. I don't care what you've decided to do. I don't care what kind of help you've got on the outside. Nothing is changing this. Friend, I'm telling you, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that can change that in your life. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that can set you free. It's the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you that can bring change inside of you that will affect every area of your life. And nothing, nothing changes in me unless the Holy Spirit is working inside of me. And so Jesus knew this. And that's why he said, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit to be inside of you. Not just with you. <laughs> in fact, one, at one point Jesus says it's better. In John 16 he says it's better that I go away so that the Holy Spirit will come. Why is it better? Because Jesus was limited. He was just in one place. But the Holy Spirit is a spirit of God. He can be inside of us. He can be with us every moment of every day, 24-7. He knows, Jesus knows, that the only way we're going to change on the inside is for the Holy Spirit to begin working on the inside out of us, where we need it most. So Friday, if you're on Instagram or Facebook social media, you probably saw my post. But on Friday, July 6th, Didi and I, my wife and I, we celebrated 35 years of our proposal day, where I asked her, Will you marry me? And she said, I still don't know why she said yes, but she said yes, right? She is my best friend. She's the one that I love to hang out with. She is my partner. I love her more than anyone on planet Earth. And yet, this week, on our date day, we... we, we we call it that. Sometimes we just grab some time to be together, and it could be just a couple hours. It could be just running errands or whatever, and we just say this is a, let's go on a date. And it, it doesn't it doesn't have to be anything fancy. You know, it doesn't have to be oh we're gonna go for a really nice dinner. No, just whatever. We're just we're hanging out. And on this particular date day, I I saw something in me that I don't like, and it's been there a long time. And maybe you would relate to this and maybe you got this going on in your life too, I don't know. I'm impatient. And um, sometimes my impatience causes my mouth to say harsh things. And so we were shopping at Target, and um, my wife, my kids can attest to this, my wife just has a tendency, when she shops, it's, it's, you know, for me, it's a mission. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you give me a list of three things and I'm on a mission and it's like, get out of my way. I got to go to the dog food, you know, kind of thing. And I got to grab dog food and I got to get milk and I got to get, get out of my way. You know, it's just a mission. I'm not there to look at anything else. I'm not going to peruse the shelves. I'm not going to wander into other departments if I don't have to go into those apartments. It's just not me. But my wife is, is not like me and you would think after being married 35 years being with her 30 or 35 being married 34 years with you would think that I would get that by now right you'd think that I would have come to this point where I would understand how she rolls but on this day this week of all the weeks celebrating, you know, we have all these, our first kiss anniversary, and we have this anniversary of the I do. we call it, the, not the do, the the yes, I'll marry you anniversary, and we have all these little things that we do, and on this week of all the weeks, shopping at Target, she had got the dog food, and I had got the dog food. I was carrying, she had the cart. I was a little frustrated that I was carrying the bag of dog food around the store, and I was really frustrated because I was looking for her. And she never answers her phone when she's shopping. It's always in her big purse and it's somewhere in the bottom. And so she doesn't even hear it. So she's somewhere in the store and I'm walking around. I had things on this side and I had this big bag of dog food. And I'm walking through and it's just, I'm just beginning to get a little bit impatient. Anybody relate? Okay. And I find her in the greeting cards. It wasn't on the list. I don't even know why she was there. Later she told me, "Well, I don't know, I just, I like to look at the cards. I'm like, do it on your own time. I don't know, It just, you know what I'm saying, it's just me. Okay, so I find her there, and I said to her, it's always this way. I didn't, I didn't say, it's always this way. I said, it's always this way with you. I can't ever find you in a store and I get frustrated this is the tone this is the volume and I could see it in her eyes that it hurt it's like so what do you do times like that you know what I did I wish I could say that I just apologized on the spot and, you know, she forgave me and we went on with our day. No. The rest of the day was lame because I made it that way. It was awkward. And do you know that yesterday, this is not a good thing for a pastor to say, but on yesterday, having my quiet time with God. And God says, what are you doing here when your wife hasn't forgiven you? And I could just see it replayed in my mind. My words and her face. The, the one that I love more than anybody else Was the recipient of something inside of me that needs to change and has needed to change for years. Man, if you knew me early on, it was way worse. But that doesn't excuse where I am today. And I don't know what you got inside of you, but there's some things inside of me that I want to change. So while reading, looking to weeks ahead in this series about the Holy Spirit, I was reading. <laughs> Bad place to read, Galatians 5. And look at what Paul says. And you know where my conviction comes. <laughs> Paul says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Fruit, it's a good thing. Love, joy peace. If I stopped there, I'd be okay, because I, I can love, and I've got joy. I don't always have joy, but I got, I got a good amount of joy. I'm okay, you know, and peace. I'm pretty cool on that. I can stay chill for a long time, you know. But that fourth one, could he just leave that off the list? Because that's tough for me. I don't know if you guys, if you have a tough one in there at all, but I do, and it's that one. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Oh, there's a good one too. And self control. Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. I need more of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life. I feel like this is like AA or something. Hi, my name is Bart. And I sometimes get angry and impatient. I, I need the fruit of the Spirit in my life, more of the fruit of the Spirit growing in my life. There's not enough of it. And that's why, man, that's why I'm so glad that the Apostle Paul writes a couple of other verses that I want to wrap off with today. Look at it. Paul says, God, who began the good work where? within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus returns. I want you to get this down. God is not done with me. Come on, say it with me. God is not done with me. Turn to somebody and tell them that right now. God is not done with me. All right, pick another person, the person you didn't pick the first time. They're not second choice. Just go ahead and tell them, God is not done with me. He's not done with me. He really isn't. And I don't know about you, but that brings me great hope. because I'm still in progress. Paul also says, God can do anything far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently Within us. That's what I experienced yesterday. Bart, why are you here when you haven't asked your wife to forgive you? See, God is working inside of me through His Holy Spirit. Have you noticed that so many things in our world, in our culture, are called life-changing? Diets, processes, procedures, relationships, makeovers, you name it. So many things are called life-changing. While some of these things might make a difference on the outside, they don't have the power to really change who we are on the inside. Listen to me. Don't pack it up yet. I'm not done. There is only one who can change us on the inside. Only one. The Holy Spirit. He alone has the power to change me. The Holy Spirit is changing my life, and I'm so thankful for that because I don't like the things that I see that sometimes creep out in the middle of Target store. You know what's probably even the worst part of that? Even, think it sounds bad when I say it that way, but it was really bad that I could see the hurt on my wife's face. But you know what was even worse? What added to it? As we turned the corner. And here's a lady with her shopping cart, and she's looking at me, and she's watching me as I walk by. And I'm not kidding. She just turned all the way around as I was walking by, and I'm watching her as I'm walking by, and I'm thinking, you heard every bit of that, didn't you? Yeah, that poor woman, she had to marry a jerk like you. Aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit is still in process? I don't know about you, but I need more of the Holy Spirit's work in my life. I think God speaks something to all of us today. Look at Ezekiel 36. Going back to the Old Testament, look at this. God says, I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow me. I want that. A tender, responsive heart so that I can follow him. Would you bow your heads with me?